on this episode of the Star Wars Time Show. Matt is flying solo, Han style, as Nick takes a break at Batu. Worry not, though, as Matt is here to whine about the lack of Star Wars content shown at Disney Plus Day, but at least he has some Kenobi concept art to speculate on. We've also got some Andor release date news and an update on Quantic Dreams' Star Wars game on today's show. Matt will also update you on some Lucasfilm news and the current state of Star Wars in the cinema. Finally, the show will end on the fan segment covering questions of the week responses and this week's honoring of our top five Star Wars fan artists. Punch it, Chewie! Buddy, welcome back to the Star Wars Time Show. And yes, it's one of those weeks where you just get one of us on the mic, and this week it's my turn. The loud guy, the crazy guy, Matt is flying the ship solo this week. If you are a longtime fan or a regular listener, you know that our buddy Nick is out gallivanting around Batu, or he at least was yesterday. Yeah. So Nick is on a break, which is fine. He's not fired. He has not been ejected from the Millennium Falcon. Okay, so just get me this week. I know some of you, you're probably throwing up in your trash cans right now, or at least trying to figure out a way how to stab out your eardrums. But I'll, I'll do my best. I'll try not to yell too much. I'll try not to get too crazy as I break down the latest week in all things Star Wars worth talking about. And uh, today I kind of want to start with a little bit of a bitch fest, okay? If you will allow me to kind of settle into my typical persona, which is usually just being angry and upset and mad. Uh, and, and really what I'm agitated about this week, as most of you were probably a little upset uh, over the Disney Plus Day, uh, that, that thing, that waste of life. That went down last Friday, November 12th. And, you know, I, I mean, I guess if you're not a Star Wars fan, it wasn't that much of a life waster. But if you were a Star Wars fan, holy hell, was Disney Plus Day a disappointment. I mean, it should just been called Disappointment Day 2021. Uh, because there was nothing. I, I mean, Star Wars got absolutely nothing new. All right. We got some things, but nothing new. That, that Kenobi thing that we got that, for Christ's sake, leaked a day prior to Disney Plus Day was a year old. It was what was shown off last year at Disney's Infest Investor's Day. It was a minute long. It had some concept art, which, you know, I'll be happy to break down here in the next few segments. But that's it. We got that and the already announced 23-minute long Under the Helmet Boba Fett special, which, hey, it was neat. That's special. I always love seeing George back on the screen and talking about his characters and, you know, kind of learning about the, the, the genesis of Fed. If you didn't know about it, seeing him in the parade and that was his first introduction to humans. All that stuff was neat, but who cares? That's in the past. We were looking for new Star Wars announcements, new Star Wars content. And we got nothing. Absolutely nothing. 
I mean, it was a shock in, in our Discord. If you want to join, please head to our Instagram and use the link tree in there. Uh, the, the Discord link should be open and ready to be clicked on. Uh, but in there, I mean, we, we, you know, Tones is a, is a super fan. He's like, no, nah, they can't be done. They're, it, it's just a break. They're just taking lunch. And I'm like, no, man, they're done. And then you saw the other Star Wars sites going, yeah, that, that was it. That was Disney Plus Day. And all we got was a year-old Kenobi BTS doc that was a minute long and might have featured 45 minutes of content with Ewan basically saying, yeah, this is going to be great, and I get to act with Hayden again, and sweet. And Deborah like, yeah, this is going to be awesome. We all know it's going to be awesome. We just want to see it. We want to see past the concept art. So, you know, I'm never going to apologize on here for posting or talking about a rumor, because last week our Disney Plus Day stuff was rumor-based, but, I, I, man, like a lot of other Star Wars sites and fans was I caught off guard on how pathetic Disney Plus Day ended up being for Star Wars in general. Nothing. Nothing. I mean, contrast it to or compare it to what Marvel got. Where's our 14-minute look at all the Star Wars uh, streaming series that have happened and all the new ones coming down the pipe? Where is it? All right, if you have not watched that for Marvel, I encourage you to just to make yourself more angry over the fact that they didn't do something similar for Star Wars on Disney+. Plus. I mean, what they did for Marvel was beautiful. I know a lot of people are like, oh, Marvel too much, quality over quantity, whatever. I, I think the Marvel stuff is still pretty good. But they, they released, it's a 14-minute long deal on Disney+, Plus that started at WandaVision and essentially recapped WandaVision, then recapped Falcon and Winter Soldier, recapped Loki, recapped What If, showed a preview for Hawkeye, and then went into the future. I mean, you got clips for Moon Knight, clips for She-Hulk, clips for Miss Marvel. It's like, hello? Hello? Why couldn't have something like that been done for Star Wars? You know, start with Mando Season 1. Then Mando Season 2. Then The Bad Batch. And then let's show a little tease for Kenobi, Andor, Ahsoka, something. Like, what is going on? How the hell was that Disney Plus Day and Star Wars was not represented in the same light as Marvel? Okay. You know, I know I'm blown out of proportion and normal people could care less, right? Could care less about a Disney Plus day and supposed Star Wars announcements. But hey, that, that's what we live for. There's always time for Star Wars time, right? But clearly, Disney and Lucasfilm do not share in the mantra of the SWTS because, I mean, it's just, it was sad. So the only benefit that I got out of Disney Plus Day and preparing for it as a dedicated Star Wars nut and podcast host was uh, last Thursday was Veterans Day. Thank you for your service. Seriously, I appreciate you. Um, but instead of taking the day off like the rest of my colleagues, I decided to work. And uh, this was in preparation for Friday and maybe needing some time in the morning to hopefully break down a Kenobi trailer or maybe talk about some Andor stuff. Uh, Bad Batch Season 2, but no, I, I sat here like the rest of you, refreshing the Disney Plus Insta, the Disney Plus Twitter, and, you know, tick-tock, tick-tock, time is passing, nothing, 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 nothing. Oh, there's a Kenobi thing that leaked a day before, and it's a year old, who cares? And then, before you know it, 
noon east, one east rolls around, and the show's over. <sighs> what a bummer. What a bummer, but like I said, the one pro, because I ended up working on my day off, and then there was nothing really to do on Friday for Star Wars, I knocked out a major milestone project for myself in my real life. I got my portfolio done for promotion, a full professor. Yes, I do teach. Uh, so that was, I guess, a one benefit over Disney Plus being a complete waste of time. Okay. So that's it on Disney Plus. There's really nothing to recap. I mean, that's one of the reasons I didn't bring on a co-host this week to fill in for Nick because it's like, what, what were we going to talk about besides yelling at each other over how pathetic and wasteful Disney Plus Day was for Star Wars fans? All right, for everything else, Disney, I, I think Disney Plus Day was was pretty great, especially Marvel. I mean, geez, you, you got all sorts of little teases and roadmaps and announcements and and content to actually. Look forward to and watch stuff with dates, right? It's like dates have become taboo in the land of Star Wars. So, all right, well, that's my rant there. I mean, really just kind of casual shooting shit like I usually do with Nick. There's really nothing I've gotten into uh, worth uh, discussing. Oh, I went and saw The Last Duel. I guess I could mention that. Uh, it, it bombed at, at theaters. It might not even be at your local theater still. But I actually quite enjoyed The Last Duel, which has a little bit of a, a Star Wars connection with Adam Drivers in there. I'm getting a question from the live stream. Thank you, live stream chat. I, I could use a little back and forth today being the only one talking. I, uh, I teach computer science, or I at least try to. Uh, some of the lower hanging fruit type of stuff. I'm not a programmer, never will claim to be. Uh, but anyways, back to The Last Duel. Uh, highly recommend it, especially if you like uh, period pieces set during the you know medieval times. Uh, I, I found Matt Damon to be pretty excellent. Adam Driver's always excellent. And hell, I didn't even recognize who Ben Affleck was in the movie until the end of its first chapter. It's broken down into, like, I think, like three or four chapters. And I knew Ben was in it because I, I saw some of the promo for it. And it was like, oh, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are in a movie for the first time in, you know, decades. I'm like, well, where the hell is Ben? You know, Matt's very evident. He's, he's one of the leads. He's got a pretty sweet mullet in it. And, and he does a lot of scenes with Adam Driver, but I was like, well, where the hell's Ben? Where's Ben, Ben, Ben? And I realized I'd been looking at him the whole time. So I don't know if that's a kudos to the costume and makeup department or just Ben himself and the acting. But uh, like I said, Last Duel, while it's a little long, I, uh, I, I quite enjoyed it. Quite enjoyed it. Like I said, a good period piece for, for medieval times. It's based on a true story. So if, if you like that type of stuff, history brought to life, I think you will dig it. All right, we're getting a comment from the stream here. Bat saying he watched Another Life. I have completed it too, and I don't know what you think, Bat, but Another Life is one of the most odd sci-fi series I've ever watched. It, it kind of bounces all over the place, and you never know what type of genre it wants to be. Um... But I don't know. I In the end, especially towards season two, it didn't really matter. It, it's something good to kind of throw on late at night, get some sci-fi jargon thrown at you. And, and like I said, I mean, Katie's in it and just I, there's something about that lady these days. Yes, I am still creeping on her IG. Watched her do her Peloton workout yesterday. 
dancing at her wedding, all sorts of creepy stuff. Um, but yeah, ba- um, like Bat's saying in the live stream. And if you want to join the live stream, we usually do these things on Tuesdays on YouTube, youtube.com slash Star Wars Time Show. If you're subscribed with notifications, uh, I typically try to schedule the stream so you will get notified. Uh, otherwise, we usually go 2.30 PE, so I'm going a bit early today because of real life. Uh, Got to get a booster shot and be around for the little kid. Um, but yeah, so another life, I don't know. I, if you're a geek and you like sci-fi that's kind of quirky and all over the place and you don't really know what the show's trying to be, give it a go. I would not be mad if it got a third season, uh, but if it doesn't, I can tell you season two ends on a note that would not leave you feel like, okay, it's another Netflix plug pull where you invested time in a series and then you don't really get to see how it, it finishes out. Um, yeah, Brando. So another one from the stream here, uh, wheel of time. I have not checked it out yet, but it's definitely on the list. I am not in the know on the, uh, what it's based on, but I do know it's based on, I think what some books or something like that. And it's, it's fantasy based. I believe this one's on Amazon prime. So, uh, I, it's going on the list, but I, I need to get through foundation this week. Episode 10 is coming out. Can't wait for that foundation. Episode nine, the penultimate was just amazing. For the you know those people like are we going anywhere are we getting anything well it it's coming and I feel like it's been paced perfectly and I'm still sticking through invasion even though even I think I'm five or six hours in I'm still like why am I watching this again but I've already invested the time so I'm gonna keep at it I've also I'm I'm doing a rewatch on The Witcher season one in preparation for season two to kind of get the wife in the know and I just again. That show is fantastic. All right. I've I've poked fun at Henry a few times about his acting, but he he's just he's perfect in that movie. I mean, it looks like that sword he was born with it, the way he wields it in action scenes. And I know he does all his own stunts. So yeah, there you go. There's a little recap in the life of Matt and what I'm checking out these days. Succession continues to kick ass. That's another one uh, I, I highly recommend. All right, so let's let's get into some of the topics. Like I said, I've got to uh, can't do a super long show today. I'm getting the old booster and see if it, it's going to kill me uh, with eight hours after getting it. And I got to do a little little kid watching. Um, it, it, Brando, if you're talking about invasion, no, I can't say it's gotten much better, but you're at least starting to get some of the alien plot exposed in the main narrative threads. Uh, but invasion something, I, I would not, uh, I don't think it's anything you got to jump to right now. Yeah, yeah. Brando, again, I'm, for those listening on the podcast version, in the live stream, we have some audience members chatting. That's who I'm talking with right now. It is not the mouse in my pocket. Okay. So uh, some of the topics we're going to go over today. Like I said, Disney Plus Day was a complete waste of life for Star Wars fans at least, but at least we got some year-old Kenobi material that I know Nick and I talked about last year uh, during the investors call when some of the people on the call tried to re uh, kind of relate to fans what they saw. And, you know, really the only thing you can take out of it outside of Ewan and, and Deborah's enthusiasm, there was some concept art sprinkled throughout it. So I guess to you know make to to get something out of Disney Plus Day for Star Wars fans, I'll go through and give some of my thoughts on what we are looking at. Um, 
for Kenobi. I, I think some of the concept art, especially the one that is in the lead right here, we, we've touched on through some of our leaks from Kenobi, in particular the uh, big duel skirmish between Vader and Kenobi. Um, all right, we're getting another recommendation from James English in the chat, Allison Borderlands. Yeah, that's it. That's on the, the, the my list, but sometimes my list of Netflix becomes a black hole. I'm sure most other streamers or fans of streaming networks know what I'm talking about. You know, you scroll through like, that looks good. That looks good. That looks good. And by the time you're done scrolling through saying that looks good, you've added 20 more things to your already 70 title filled list. And you're like, well, what the hell am I doing with my life? But yeah. All right. So let's check out, uh, let's talk about some of this OB uh, one Kenobi concept art that was shown in this little, I'm just going to go out to imager here. And, and get bigger version. So if you're on the live stream, I'm looking at the uh, one of the first shots we got. And it, this is probably the best look at Kenobi, at least what they envision him to look like in the Kenobi series. Looks like he's on the back of a, was that an EOP? One of those things that farts in Jar Jar's face in The Phantom Menace, you know, during the, the Boonta Eve race. Yeah, if anything with Jar Jar, he's always good for... Uh, fart jokes in the Star Wars prequels. Uh, but what you're getting here, I, I mean, I think a lot of us would love to see this version of Kenobi look like the Mythos Obi-Wan we've all have either collected from Sideshow or have seen in, in comics or from other artists, you know, the one where he's wearing his Old Republic General Kenobi armor, at least his, his pauldrons, or he's got them over his back. Uh, but, you know, this concept art of him gets close you know the the beard's coming in thicker and and you know there's more gray in it he looks haggard really he's got like the tatooine boot wraps on there he's got the uh, binoculars it looks like he has a gaffy stick so a lot of things that mythos obi-wan uh, accessory wise or at least that he's been drawn with are included uh, this clearly is is on tatooine who knows if it's around the uh, Lars moisture farm or if this is around Kenobi's hovel. Uh, but it looks like his mount of choice, at least if they've stuck to the concept art here, is going to be an EOP or however you pronounce E-O-P-I-E. EOP. E-O-P. It's for like uh, Wreck-It Ralph. E-boy. For, um, what was he, I think he was calling it eBay or something, and <laughs> Ragged Ralph breaks the internet. Uh, if anything with this piece, I, I like the way Kenobi looks. I mean, he, he has to look a little haggard, uh, like we've been speculating. You know, 10 years after the fall of the Republic, uh, being in a self-imposed exile on Tatooine, sitting there having to think about your failures with Anakin and just the Jedi in general... I don't see Kenobi being hello there and, and as positive as he was in the prequels. You, you got to think he's probably pretty down, uh, pretty depressed, uh, pretty sullen. And I, I think that this art captures that pretty well. Uh, but you can see uh, the remnants of the Jedi tunic underneath him. I mean, it, it is haggard looking you'd think the poor man i don't know if he was scared to ask like hey can you make me a new jedi tunic and and they'd rat him out to the inquisitors but it does look at least from this piece of art that he will be still sporting his tunic f 
from the end of Revenge of the Sith. I mean, it looks filthy, frayed, worn, and, and, and beat down, just like the character himself. All right, up next is the big one here. We, we get this concept art shot, and, and it looks, you know, I, I don't think they're on Mustafar. It looks like they're in some sort of, I don't know, maybe cityscape or even like a factory. And I'm talking about Vader and Kenobi. And they appear to be on some sort of bridge. And I think we've actually talked about this in some of our leaks for Kenobi, that this final battle, they'd be you know, uh, separated by a, a chasm or a bridge and they're yelling at each other and getting ready to battle. And, you know, we, we've reported that from making Star Wars and, and from our own source that Kenobi's going to be at his peak. All right. This is Jedi ass Master Kenobi at his most powerful. And, you know, based on the canon and A New Hope, one has to figure that, yeah, that's going to be true. And he is probably going to give Vader another beatdown. Maybe not as severe as what he did to Anakin Vader on the shores of Mustafar's Lava River, uh, but he's going to come out on top and, and beat Vader down and kind of let him know, again, who's boss, who's more in tune with the Force, and more importantly, who is, who is more in tune with who they really are. Because still at this point in time, 10 years after his decision, Anakin's headspace is jacked. Uh, you know, that's due to his own feelings on, on what he did and, and the hate he needs to feel to stay strong. But also, you know, via the comics, just learning about all the torture and head games that the Emperor has already put him through. I mean, within the first few days, he essentially sends him out to, to get a lightsaber with no way to defend himself. I mean, Vader almost gets killed. Uh, you know, a few weeks, months after he becomes Darth Vader in the suit. And that's because Palpatine constantly testing him and all that fun stuff. But this shot right here with all the fire and kind of the callbacks to Mustafar, I'm going with this is going to be the their final duel. Because as we have reported, they're going to have maybe one or two other altercations before the big... The big duel, the one where they, they, they really kind of try to get down to their problems with each other. And this is just speculation, but I, I do feel like this duel is going to fundamentally change both characters. I, I believe after this and Kenobi really realizing that Vader is Anakin and because of his failures and, and being Anakin's mentor, he, he's going to feel responsibility for creating this galactic terror. And he may change his way of thinking in terms of how he wants to train and raise Luke. You know, maybe this is why he does allow his powers to regress and he focuses more on the living force and becoming one with the force and knowing that if he uh, becomes a force ghost, he will be more helpful to Luke than if he stays flesh and blood. And I have a feeling in Kenobi and these interactions with Luke's dad and obviously Kenobi's former brother that uh, Kenobi will have to make some choices about how he wants to train the next Skywalker. And, and I do think that's why he will allow himself to get to a point to where Vader senses him on the Death Star and says, you know, your powers are weak, old man. Now, what's going to change in that eight years? I mean, does a Jedi, I guess through visions and just in, in general, we've learned that 
you know, Jedi and Sith do tend to kind of lose some of their skills and powers as they age. Uh, but it, but is eight years and what I think he'd be in his sixties. Is that really enough for him to become kind of a pud that Vader can just whack around a few times and then make a killing blow when he disappears? So I, I really do think the outcome of this battle is just going to be more eye opening and and revelations to Kenobi and Vader that you know what uh, Vader's probably going to feel like he's got to double down on his anger and hate because Kenobi has beat him again, where Kenobi probably feels like he may have to alter the way he was envisioning training a young Luke Skywalker based on the fact that his dad is uh, equivalent to the devil across the galaxy. All right, but I am excited to see this scene. From what we've heard, it's going to be some of the craziest action we've ever witnessed at least in a lightsaber duel in all of Star Wars. All right, so the next two shots, uh, these have to be taking place on Vader's castle on Mustafar, so I'm I'm super excited that, you know, we're we're pretty much guaranteed to be going back to Vader's castle, which has really only been featured in live action in Rogue One. But now it looks like we might actually get to his throne room. Yes, Vader with a throne room, and, and look at it. You gotta love the architecture, the, the design, and how the throne matches his castle on Mustafar. And it looks like he's looking at some sort of hologram, and, and I would have to imagine he is looking at Kenobi. All right, um, I, we could argue that it may be one of his inquisitors because it does look like the character is wearing some sort of, of cape. There's possibly even a hood on there. Um, If we're going with it's Kenobi, I'm guessing this is probably going to be after that whole early scene we talked about where Kenobi is probably going to be called to uh, assist uh, a friend in need or someone that we know is very important to more than likely the Rebel Alliance. Uh, which in turn may lead to some Inquisitors getting their ass kicked in, in a Force user being exposed again to the universe and this exposure is definitely going to catch vader's interest so i'm thinking right now this is vader in his throne room you know kind of settling down for the evening waiting for his tv dinner getting ready to watch his his sitcoms and he kind of gets a a call or gets some footage sent to him like hey master look at look at this force user we ran into he was stronger than any of the force users we have killed for you up until now and, you know, we failed, and he took out XYZ sister brothers, right? Because Inquisitors, you know, first sister, fifth brother, second sister, so on and so forth. And, and this is where Vader is going to kind of get the realization, like, oh, shit. My buddy, Mr. This lightsaber is your life guy, is out and about, and he's going to cause me problems in my mission from the Emperor to snuff out all the remaining Jedi and light side force users in the galaxy. Uh, but really, this what this shot does to me, it's just like, yes, a Vader scene, sitting on a throne like a pimp, looking at his old master and trying to plot and figure out ways and how to kill him, right? I hate you! You know those sentiments are still in Anakin's brain, even though we're, we're talking about 10 years past his fire bath. And this is just more of a, a wider shot, like I said, of, of Vader's throne room. And if you notice, I mean, it just you got to love the lines 
that that Vader goes with. And they even mimic his healing, his meditation chamber, right? Like this whole room feels like a a a, a gargantuan size meditation chamber. They, they've got those sharp edges. Uh, just like the chamber we saw him in, and what we will probably see him in in Kenobi, but I'm talking about the one we see him in briefly in Empire Strikes Back. This next shot here is is just kick ass uh, for multiple reasons. Uh, I love this ship. Uh, it's clearly the ship of this Inquisitor here. Uh, the Inquisitor looks like one of the sisters. It looks how I mean, it looks like what's her name from Fallen Order, Trilla. Um, so I, I don't know if this is guaranteed that that particular Inquisitor is in Kenobi, uh, because we know for a fact that there's going to be Inquisitors in it. Sung Kang has, has said as much we've heard through the leak verse that the Inquisitors are there. Uh, I'm, I'm still speculating that the first thing that kind of gets Kenobi off of the, uh, sand oasis Tatooine will be an Inquisitor that is messing with an asset that is important to the Rebel Alliance or possibly important to the uh, the Jedi Order, or at least the Yoda and Kenobi Jedi Order. And he's probably going to kill at least one or two Inquisitors, which, like I said, will kind of uh, spurn Vader's involvement in Kenobi and wanting to take out this, if he doesn't know it's Kenobi yet, but wanting to take out this light side user that is giving his minions some problems. Uh, But I'm really hoping this concept art comes through in full, and this is what this uh, shuttle ship looks like. Uh, Because it looks like its its wings are going to fold out, and it's going to be one of the more unique-looking Imperial ships we've seen, where it's almost starting to use some of the uh, aesthetics that the Force, First Order went with, all right? I, I mean, I see some elements of Kylo Ren's command shuttle in here. Uh, you know, it just it doesn't feel like a traditional Imperial uh, starship, right? I, I mean, yeah, I guess it's got a little bit of the angular design like some of the Star Destroyers do. Uh, but in terms of, you know, personal craft, it looks nothing like any of the ties, regular ties, tie bomber, tie advanced, so on and so forth. Uh, but really, the Inquisitor in there, I mean, that, that's a dead giveaway that they're going to be in the, in the program, which we know this. And it really looks like the one that was in Jedi Fallen Order, okay? Uh, I don't know how that lines up with, with canon and whatnot. I, I, that game kind of eludes me at this point. I I thought Vader kills her at the end, but who the hell knows? And who knows if this lines up with the Kenobi timeline. But the one thing I do know, and this ship looks like it's landing on Tatooine. Look, you got some hovels around here. Uh, it looks like a outskirts of a town, maybe. Uh, so who knows? Maybe maybe they're coming after the fact to check on some uh, rumors or uh, leaks they've heard about this hermit living out in the Dune Sea. This next shot here is interesting. I, I don't know. It, it's got like uh, Coruscant 1313, level 1313 vibes to me. I mean, it almost looks identical to that live action uh, prequel era set TV series that George Lucas was working on. Uh, I know we showed some of the footage of it last year and it just like... It, the look and feel just feels dead on to lower level Coruscant. So I don't know if Kenobi's going here maybe to get some intel or if we're going to see 
uh, maybe some rebels here dropping or passing intel to each other to get to Kenobi. But to me, I don't know. I this this shot right here with the the neon. It, it's got like a, a downtown city feel to it. It just fa- feels like one of the lower levels on Coruscant, if not the fabled thirteen thirteen, which I believe is where Georgia series was going to be set, as well as a video game at one point in time was supposed to be set in the 1313 area and and didn't and again i'm just pulling shit out of the old uh, balloon knot here but didn't ahsoka's thread on the final season of clone wars take place in 1313 either way that's what i'm going with here uh, i i don't know i mean kenobi on coruscant would be pretty crazy considering that is the seat of the empire uh, you know, you got uh, Palpatine's big deal is there. I think he overtakes the Jedi Temple. That's where he kind of sets up shop. Uh, but, you know, it, it could also be, you know, some rebel stuff going on here, passing around intel. Uh, but I'm still going with this is going to be on Coruscant. And if you are just listening to the podcast audio-only version, I encourage you to pull up the post that the episode was embedded on and you can pull up these screenshots and kind of follow along as I am talking about stuff on a no visuals platform. If you're on the live stream, you know exactly what I'm talking about. All right. So this next shot here is curious to me. Uh, It's clearly of some sort of rebel stronghold, a hangar of sorts. We, We see a bunch of snow speeders here. I mean, there's a part of me that almost wants to say this could be the beginnings of Hoth. Uh, but I don't think that's true based on a recent comic in this Star Wars proper line where I believe uh, they discussed that uh, the rebels that end up on Hoth, you know, the ones we see at Empire Strikes Back, it's like they had to do a bunch of work to redig it out or, or some nonsense. But I don't know. I mean, if you look here, it seems like they're in some sort of icy cavern. So could this kind of be an advanced rebel party already setting up a a fallback or a secret base on Hoth just in case something goes nutty on on Yavin 4? Uh, I mean, we know they're at least on Yavin 4 by the Star Wars Rebels timeline, which is still, I believe, going to be, I don't know, six years after the Kenobi timeline, I believe. Uh, but you never know. I mean, the, the, the rebels, they, they had a little bit of foresight. Maybe they were already getting this, this base set up on Hoth. Uh, if it's not Hoth, they're on an icy planet in a cavern prepping up some snow speeders for some reason. It seems weird to feature it in a Kenobi series, considering he wasn't directly tied to the rebel alliance, at least not until the very end when he got Princess Leia's call. Uh, but you never know. I mean, we, we, we could be getting check-ons with the Rebels. As I have hinted at before, there's a very good chance to, the, the, the MacGuffin of the Kenobi series that kicks off the action and gets us into the meat of the plot could very well be a, a Rebel asset or a very important asset to the good guys that only Kenobi can help. He goes and helps. It causes a stir. So, you know, seeing scenes of of rebels talking about the, you know, galactic politics or the return of a Jedi, a powerful Jedi, I could see that taking place on a rebel base, even a secret rebel base, like this potentially um, early Hoth shot that we're looking at now. 
All right, so uh, coming up on the penultimate shot here. This one is unique. It, it, it feels very imperial. And, uh, you know, I, I believe in our Discord, Tones was thinking that this might be the Jedi Temple, but then he's like, no. And, and yeah, if you look at it, it, it doesn't feel like a Jedi Temple. It's got, you know, the imperial lighting wall, the GPS toy space wall set up. It's got the... Uh, much more angular doors and whatnot, very imperialistic looking. It doesn't feel like the the Jedi temple architecture that we have seen. And there's a part of me, like if you look out the windows, this may be underwater. Uh, like if, if you're on the live stream and you're watching, if you look out the windows, that, that does not look like a skyline to me. Uh, it looks like murky green water. Um, so th is this an underwater base? I mean, this could very well be the uh, base we saw at the end of uh, Bad Batch. Maybe that, that's the inside of a mountain. Maybe it's an underground lake that they've, uh, th that's contained within this mountain. Uh, but why would we be seeing this in Kenobi? I, that, that's interesting, unless this is where uh, the Empire uh, may be working out of. Maybe this is where the Inquisitors are kind of holed up. Uh, but it, I don't know. It, it just, like I said, the giveaway to me on this not being the the Jedi Temple or or, or just a a structure that's on the surface of a planet is the windows. It just it feels a little too aqua, a lot of too, too a little too murky uh, to be a sky versus being underwater. Um, I, I forget what that planet it was a planet Wayland or something like that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, Bat. Uh, I'm talking to Bat here in the live stream. Fallen Order, for some reason, I've, I've kind of forgotten a lot of its content. I know it's technically canon-based, but uh, if there is an underwater Imperial base in that, yeah, very. Th this could very well be it. But I do think this is an Imperial structure they built. I don't think it's something they've repurposed from uh, the Jedi or an existing structure that the Republic had a hand in creating. Um, I, I do believe this is something they've created. It, it could have been there for decades at, at this point. Um, but I, I'm going with this. This is going to be underwater. Um, and then the last one here, th this is the trickiest one to me. Again, it doesn't feel like a, a proper plan. It doesn't feel like Coruscant. Uh, it, it's got darker tones. I mean, it almost... And I'm, I'm kicking myself here because I'm forgetting the name of the planet. Is it Corvus? Is it Corvus that was shown in the Mandalorian, the Ahsoka episode? Uh, the reason I'm drawn to that is just like the skyline and the, and the tone of this concept art has that feel of Ahsoka's episode in the Mandalorian. You know, where the sky is, is kind of yellow because of all the, all the forest production and, and, the, and the fires and whatnot. And, you know, some of the structures uh, remind me of, again, if I'm off on the planet Corvus, I'm off. I don't have Nick here to uh, uh, correct me these days. Um, but I don't know, like, w w what are we doing here? Is this, is this a rebel stronghold? Is this where Kenobi has to go somewhere to, to get some help? It's very unique because I, I just, like I said, the structure is not something at least for me, that is ringing a bell with what we have seen in the past, at least for Skywalker Saga era content, because that's what this is. 
I mean, it's a, as, as much as Disney and Lucasfilm want to tell you that they're getting away from the Skywalker saga, uh, this is about as Skywalker saga if it gets, and if it plays out the way we want it to, and as I've said before, it could very well be some of the best, if not the best, Skywalker saga era content of all time. Um, so yeah, not much help on this one just because it is so different looking. I mean, it it it, it doesn't feel like... Uh, Coruscant at all, uh, definitely another planet. And what, I guess what's curious is that there doesn't seem to be a huge imperial presence in this city or whatever planet this is. So, you know, is this Outer Rim? Is this that big-ass city on Tatooine we've seen teased in the Book of Boba Fett at nighttime? Uh, James English is saying uh, Nar Shadda. I, I don't, I mean, Narshada, at least what I've seen recently in the War of the Bounty Hunters, I mean, that feels more like a Las Vegas, you know, it's got a lot of neons and whatnot, but yeah, I guess this could be a different part of it. Like I said, it could be that big ass uh, Tatooine city we saw in Book of Boba at night. I think some of, actually some of the structures here do represent what we saw uh, when uh, we, we kind of met that Athorian gang leader that talks a little shit to Boba. So I don't know. I mean, it's concept art. None of this may even uh, kind of come to fruition in the show. I mean, we, we've had Star Wars concept artists on the Star Wars Time Show and have talked to them. And typically, they, they do their thing. And then the directors and the production designers, they decide what they're going to use. And sometimes it gets used. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but, you know... Considering this is all we got for Disney Plus Day for Star Wars, I guess we got to appreciate it. And it, it was kind of cool. There were some good looks in here for Kenobi, but ultimately not getting any uh, current footage, not even like a 30-second tease, or not even uh, Ewan sitting there in the garb giving us a hello there. Disney Plus Day was a bummer. And um, yeah, that's it. I'm going to kind of put it to bed on that. So... Uh, if you are listening on the audio-only version, like I said, you, you can check out the concept art via StarWarsTime.net in the same post that you found this episode in. Okay, so, uh, you know, you would have thought that maybe we would have got some Andor news at Disney Plus Day, but we got nothing. I think you got a damn title card shown at the very end of Disney Plus Day where they're like, oh yeah... All this stuff's coming in 2022. I think Bad Batch flew in there and Andor flew in there. But we didn't get anything. I mean, Andor, I don't know if we should say we should be concerned at this point in time. Uh, but this thing, it, it had a sizzle reel last December. And that's it. We saw, the, we saw production take place over the spring of 2021. Uh, it, it wrapped shooting, I think, before the summer. It had more than enough time to at least give us a, a firm release date or a trailer, behind-the-scenes, sizzle reel, whatever. We didn't get it. But a, a day prior to Disney Plus Day, we did get some news. And uh, these days, I don't, I don't know what to take for real when it comes from Disney and Lucasfilm because, you know, rumors are rumors. And until they come out and confirm it, I guess that's just how we have to kind of take some of this news. But um, apparently on a Disney earnings call, a release window, excuse me, for Disney Plus's Andor was given. And that window is Disney's quarter four fiscal term. All right. 
So, Disney's Q4 is not the same as the world's Q4. Disney's Q4 spans July to September. So if this is indeed true, and this was discussed at the earnings call, that means Andor is, is going to be dropping probably over the summer, which makes sense. And I'm thinking it'll probably be closer to July, August than September. Because uh, I feel like Andor is going to precede The Mandalorian Season 3. And, and uh, unless Lucasfilm completely goes batshit crazy, The Mandalorian Season 3 is going to be their, their uh, you know, late October, November, December run in 2022. Kind of like how Book of Boba is sneaking in there right at the end on December 29th this year. Uh, so I, I do think Andor will precede that. So th this does line up, at least to my own speculations. Uh, you know, if this is true and this earnings call... It was revealed that Andor is releasing Q4 Disney, which is July to September. Yeah, I see this happening. In fact, I know nothing was shown off, and it's still being it's still being touted as releasing in 2022. I just I don't know. I have a feeling that Kenobi is going to get the May the Fourth treatment that the Bad Batch got uh, in 2021, meaning that on May the Fourth they're going to release the first episode of Kenobi and then you know they'll they'll probably release the next one on the usual the now sucky usual Disney Plus release date of Wednesday. Uh you know we we could also argue that they would just save that for Bad Batch season 2 to keep Bad Batch in the same cadence every year essentially running from uh you know May to end of July early August. Um, but I don't know I I feel like Kenobi's going to be new. Bad Batch is existing. They don't really need to kind of give it that extra celebration that May the 4th brings. So I don't know. I'm at my Star Wars radar, which isn't always right and sometimes very wrong, is just leading me to believe that... I don't know. I mean, we, we saw... Omega's voice actress was cutting lines a few months ago, which means Bad Batch Season 2 could be well on its way and just needing the voices at this point. But here, here's what I'm going to speculate on the Star Wars slate in 2022. So, Book of Boba is essentially starting 2022. It, it's getting in a few days before the end of the year, December 29th. So, we're going to see Book of Boba probably run through February, mid-February, end of February. After that, I could see Bad Batch Season 2 taking us up to May. Kenobi getting the May the 4th hubbub. That running through the summer. Andor picking up towards the end of summer. Running into the fall. And then the Mando Season 3 kind of being the end cap on 2022 for Star Wars on Disney+. So come at me if you don't like it, but that is my guess. And is anyone else getting bored yet just listening to me talk? Because I know I am, as it feels very similar to some of my lectures, where I'm the only one, ex you know, exhaling or expressing my thoughts and opinions in hot air, and really no one is there to bounce ideas off of. So apologies if this episode sucks. I'm trying my best, but it is what it is when you got a one-man show. So uh, there's your big takeaway. If this is true, I, I think my schedule 
very may well be what we get on Disney Plus in 2022. So Book of Boba, Bad Batch Season 2, Kenobi, and or Mando Season 3. Get some. All right, we're going to change gears a little bit here, get away from the uh, Disney Plus stuff. Actually, let's really change gears and hear from our friends at Manscaped. Wait till you see this new thing I've got for you. If you're on the live stream, get ready for this. Get ready for some nuts coming out of your screen. Here they come, courtesy of Manscaped, a gift for both wish lists. That's right, the perfect package for his package you like that people check that out if you're on the live stream like i said you never know what type of bonuses you will be treated to but check out that gif with transparency pretty neat we might see it again throughout this cast but before i move on real quick i got some words from our friends over at manscaped ho 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 gentlemen the holidays came early here at manscaped the leading men's hygiene brand Manscaped just launched new products including their all-new ultra-premium body wash and two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. You can see them right here on the set of the Star Wars Time Show. And I actually use both of these products. I just used it. Smelling fresh there. If I had some hair, we could smell it up there. But uh, as I've said before... With the Manscaped body wash and now the uh, shampoo and conditioner, when I combine that with the crop preserver and the crop reviver, I come out of the shower smelling like a mang. Smell beautiful. At least to me. I don't know how it smells to other people, but I love it. So, uh, like I said, give this stuff a try. All right. It's time to give yourself or someone who needs it. You know, we all have some stinky friends out there, especially in the Star Wars universe. So um, just make sure to give yourself, or like I said, your stinky friend, the gift of beautiful skin, hair, and balls this holiday season. And you can do so by going to manscaped.com and using the code SWTS to get 20% off plus free shipping. You can't beat it, my friends. 20% off plus free shipping if you use SWTS at manscaped.com. And you know we would appreciate you for doing it. All right, so... Jingle balls to the walls, fellas. You got to listen up to what I'm saying here. Untrimmed pubes are a thing of the past, and it's possible you have Santa's beard in your pants. It's time to leave your significant other some cookies and milk at the bottom of your chimney. I'm talking about the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Nick and I have been talking about this for months. We both use it. What you get in the Performance Package 4.0 is the Lawnmower 4.0, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, plus... Two of the products I just mentioned, the Crop Preserver and the Crop Reviver, which are nice little lotions and sprays for your balls. All right, so I, I use these things on a weekly basis. I just use the Lawnmower 4.0 to trim up some of my arm hair, as well as to keep the downstairs nice and trim, just like a putting green. All right, so inside the Performance Package 4.0, like I said, you're going to find the Lawnmower 4.0. You're going to find the, uh, the, the weed whacker, and you're going to get some of the uh, liquid formulations from Manscaped. In particular, the Crop Preserver and the Crop Reviver. These are two gifts I recommend anyone to get for their friends in life, 
men get it to women to give to other men or maybe women like smelling like the manscape smell you never know but you can get all this stuff by going to manscape.com and using the code SWTS and like I said, while you're there, if you grab the Performance Package 4.0 or some of uh, Manscaped's liquid formulations, don't forget about the new 2-in-1 shampoo and conditioner and the body wash. Thumbs up from Matt on the Star Wars Time Show, and I know Nick appreciates it too. So don't forget, get 20% off and free shipping with the code SWTS at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com. Just use the code SWTS. Clean up your nuts and make Santa proud this year. All right. Thank you for that, everybody. And, you know, I'm, I'm being serious. It, it does help us if you use our code at Manscaped. So if you got some gifts to buy for yourself, for other people in your life, now is the time to head out to Manscaped and get those nuts clean. There they come again at you through the screen. It's almost like I'm giving you a 3D experience on this episode of the Star Wars Time Show, which happens to clock in at 188. That's right, Nick and I are getting close to the 200 mark, which if you add all the casts we used to do for the Entertainment Buddha Network, we're at least at 5 million shows, and we still only have a few hundred people that listen to us. Most normal people would have already taken the hint, but you all know I'm not normal, so we keep going. One of these days, right? <laughs> one more, one more video, and then people will like me. <laughs> uh, just playing around. Okay, like I said, as I was transitioning away from all the Disney Plus crap, uh, getting into some Star Wars video game topics here, or at least a topic. And that is the... You know, we talked about this a month or two ago on the show. You should be listening. If you're not, go ahead and head over to StarWarsTime.net. Uh, get subscribed to either a podcast platform of your choosing or the YouTube channel, which is, again, YouTube.com slash Show. And, hey, guess what? If you're listening right now to the live stream, go ahead and give it a thumbs up. Leave a comment. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure notifications on and pass it to your next friend or even an enemy. Because clearly I, 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 uh, I grate on some people. So if there are people you don't like in your life and you want to trick them and maybe piss them off, tell them about this podcast and then you'll ruin their day. Okay, so uh, on the show we talked about Quantic Dreams. Uh, they're working on a Star Wars game. right? These are the people behind Heavy Rain, Beyond, all that fun stuff. Some people hate them, some people love them. I've actually been a fan of Quantic Dreams' games. I, I, I like the more... Uh, narrative approach versus just action-oriented gameplay. Uh, obviously, some of the QTEs in the early game definitely up for criticism. But if anything, Quantic is pretty solid at telling a story using video games as the medium. Uh, so I'm not I'm not upset at all that they're working on a game. But we do have some updates on this game, and uh, these come from Jeff Grubb over at Giant Bomb. And, uh, you know, this is still technically a rumored game. Nothing officially has been announced yet. But according to Jeff Grubb, we've got a few more insights into what this game is going to be about, when it's going to be set, all that fun stuff. So this game, which apparently is called Star Wars Eclipse, 
All right, you get that? Quantic Dreams' game, Star Wars Eclipse. It's going to be set during the High Republic era. Okay? And that, you know, really doesn't surprise me, and it kind of harkens back to a conversation Nick and I had last week when we were talking about the potential, now that Rogue Squadron has essentially been shelved, and there's a rumor that, you know, Lucasfilm is ready to get to work on an existing project in 2022 for, an, for a hopeful 2023 release. And the rumor mill was pointing to either the Old Republic or High Republic era being prime for that movie to be set in. And, you know, we'd, we'd love the Old Republic, but if you think about the current state of Star Wars and where things are headed and where Lucasfilm has been dedicating resources, I'm talking people, money, marketing, it's the High Republic era. All right, I know not all of us love reading books. I'm one of them, so I've kind of missed out. I tried to do it, couldn't do it. I still have the first High Republic book in audio form. Just can't get to it. My man Howard Stern keeps putting out episodes, and I listen to those, and that eats up my headphone time. But it, I do believe High Republic has caught on. Okay, it's caught on with a, a large group of fans. And as I said, it is the it is Lucasfilm and Disney's current baby. All right. It's something new. It's technically not Skywalker saga based, even though you have Yoda in there. But it's um it's something that has the spotlight on it. So I do think it makes sense that if if Lucasfilm and the powers of B are investing money in new video games and new projects that that they want to kind of veer away from existing timelines and content the high republic era is the era there's just too much material out now too much marketing too many dollars have been put in to the high republic era to create a new slice of star wars that has not been covered before um so this, this star wars eclipse if it is set in the high republic era i would not be surprised in the least uh, it could be very exciting. I mean, I, I did a I did a few issues of the High Republic comic, and I was I was digging it. I mean, it, this is the era that they call it the High Republic because this is when the Jedi were feeling great about themselves. They were dominating. Uh, they were kicking ass and taking names. They were going out and helping helping to settle the galaxy, kind of like the Wild West cowboys. Uh, th there was no Sith to really deal with. I mean, you could kind of get the sense that. Some of that stuff was starting to bubble up from the surface. But, I mean, this is, this is the good old days of the High Republic. This is why the Jedi that we meet in the prequel era are so full of themselves and can't see the Sith kind of taking the galaxy away from them right under their noses because of how much success and glory the Jedi experienced during the High Republic era. So it would be a completely new timeline to, to dabble in both video games and movies, but in this case, video game wise and, and knowing the way Quanta can tell a story using video games, I'm all for it. I'm all for seeing this come to fruition. I, I do hope it's true. I, I'm, I'm down to check out something new. Okay. We've had old Republic games, comics, We've had High Republic books and comics, but no games. So if this, if this does turn out to be a reality and we are going to get this Star Wars Eclipse game from Quantic Dreams set during the High Republic era, 
I, I think it be it could be pretty damn excellent, or at least unique, fresh, something new. And we have heard about this game that it's not going to be like other Quantic Dreams games, meaning it's not just going to be a mostly passive narrative experience. It sounds like it is going to be more of a more of a game, potentially open world, you know, decision based with some action uh, baked into it. You, you have to. I mean, if you have a Star Wars game and it deals with really any Star Wars archetype, it's got to be an action game. Okay. Jedi's fight, bad guys fight, smugglers fight, scoundrels fight. So uh, as long as this, I don't know. I mean, I, I've I've admitted this fact before on this show. At this point in my gaming career, I, I'm not opposed to just sitting there and hitting buttons to advance a game uh, story either. Uh, I was a big fan of what they did in Final Fantasy VII Remake where you could essentially say... I'm lazy, I'm dumb, I just want to move the, the controller when I feel like it, you do the rest for me, AI, and it would, it would literally do it. It would fight for you, it would walk for you, it was crazy. Uh, but I don't know, maybe that's a little too much. So We'll stay on top of this one. There's some other rumors out there that I didn't touch on. Uh, there's some sites reporting that Star Wars Eclipse may get its first reveal at the Game Awards coming up here in a few weeks. Uh, and I guess that could be true because we've only heard EA say that they have no planned Star Wars announcements until 2022. We have not heard from any other studios that may be working on a game. You know what I mean? So, um, but that, that also could get dicey depending on the, the legalese within the contract that EA has with Lucasfilm for the games. You know, if, if, if they, I think their exclusivity lasts another year or two. And if that's the case, would Quantic be able to come out and announce early while EA still owns the rights? I, I don't know. Who knows? Like I said, we need to call up the uh, lawyers there. Um, but I'll put it out there just in case Game Awards may get your, your first look or at least an official announcement about Quantic Dreams' Star Wars game, which at this point is rumored to be titled Eclipse and set during the High Republic era. All right, addressing the uh, live stream here. Yeah, Bat, I'm with you. I love Mortal Kombat. I'll never forget in the early 90s going to Ross Park Mall in Pittsburgh with a, you know, $10 worth of quarters that I had to save up, being dropped off and just sitting there the entire afternoon putting quarters on the cabinet saying, I got next. And uh, really, Mortal Kombat to me started to get a little too complex and combo heavy around Mortal Kombat 3. And, and now these days, it's insane. Like the, like the juggling and the combos you have to master to even be somewhat competent in fighting another human. So I'm with you, Bat. Um, I, I'm, I, was, I preferred MK when it had high punch, low punch, high kick, low kick, block. And really all you had to know were the character's special moves and then some basic counters. You didn't have to worry about mastering the, the, the juggle combos that you see these days where like... You know, Liu Kang bicycle kick in there. And then from there, he hits you with a dragon punch, which kicks you up again. And then he's doing more kicks. And like I said, juggling your, your ass around until your life bar is gone. And uh, so is any enjoyment in playing the game. 
Uh, but yeah, old, old school arcades, uh, Mortal Kombat. I, I think Visual Approach Photo has a an MK1 cabinet in his basement, and I'm very jealous of that man. Uh, I, I would like I would take an MK1 cabinet, an MK2 cabinet, a Street Fighter 2 cabinet, probably Turtles in Time, Simpsons game, an NBA Jam. I think if I could make my own little 90s time capsule arcade, that's what I would go with. And yeah, I know we you can get these from, what is that, 1UP Arcade these days. They make essentially cabinets. You can get a booster on it to, to make it a little taller. Uh, but hey, if you watch the live stream, you see how clustered my walls look with Star Wars stuff? Really, the rest of the room looks that way too. So not a ton of space left in SWTS HQ to throw down some arcade cabinets. Um, Tekken. Yeah, get out of here, Chaos. I know you probably love doing juggles and combos, but you are a gaming master. I am just an amateur. Nay, a hobbyist at this point in time. <laughs> oh, yeah, Bat. So, yeah, I, I take that back. I would have to add in the Star Wars Trilogy arcade machine. That's the one you would, you would sit in it. And, and this one came later in life. I think this came in the aughts. Uh, but you, you sit in and you have uh, different missions. At the end of missions, sometimes you, can, you either fight Boba Fett or Darth Vader with the joystick. Yeah. I mean, the, the classic Atari Star Wars arcades, outside of just listening to the chiptune music, I could probably get by on not having those. But yeah, Star Wars Trilogy arcade machine is, is easily one of my favorite as well, at least sitting arcade games. Yeah, I have a feeling a lot of us uh, older fans, and I'm talking like 70s, 80s era fans, probably have a lot of fond memories about arcades. Uh, I do as well. Uh, it's one of my favorite things to do when I head out to Rehoboth Beach in Delaware. Uh, they have a boardwalk that still has like three or four arcades set up. Uh, they're mostly all fucking claw games at this point, but you, know, you, you can still get in there and, and kind of get that feel, all the lights buzzing and... <laughs> You know, the crazy sounds going off from people playing games. Um, that, that is something I do miss about the, the modern era. And just, you know, who, who, why would kids want to go to an arcade these days when they could have it right in the palm of their hands? Uh, I understand the experience isn't the same, but hey, shit changes. A lot of stuff we looked at what our parents did when they were young. We thought it was archaic, and I'm sure most modern kids these days are like, what? It put quarters into a machine? To play it in a, in a room with other machines that play games, I can just do that at home with all my consoles. <sighs> all right. Good times. Good times going down memory road there. So kind of going back to Lucasfilm land and some of the chaos it's experiencing right now. Uh, last week, live on the show, we were uh, reporting that uh, Chloe Zhao, who um, just directed Eternals, would be directing Kevin Feige's Star Wars movie. Well, now this week that changes to, no, she's not doing it. So, as you can see, last week was a bad week for Star Wars rumors, and luckily that's why they are rumors. Rumors aren't necessarily true. Um, but according to THR's Heat Vision newsletter, which I guess they, they send out here or there, um, they had a line in it saying like, listen, 
uh, our insiders are telling us that Zhao is not attached to Feige's movie or any Star Wars movie for that matter. Now, that could very well just be smokescreen to cover the kind of the rumors that were leaking last week, or it could be true. And quite frankly, at this point of the game, or this, this point in, in Lucasfilm and Disney, it's like nothing surprises me anymore. Uh, you know, we talked about uh, last week about Rogue Squadron's delay and, you know, oh, it was about schedules. And Nick and I were telling you last week before some more info came to light that, you know, this isn't schedule-based. This is probably creative differences, <laughs> Lucasfilm's favorite buzzword to throw out there. And, you know, I, I know there's some fans that are trying to put all the, the, the Rogue Squadron and creative differences on on Kathleen Kennedy. And, you know, maybe she is to blame for some of it, but rewind episode 187 last week when Nick and I were talking about this. Remember Wonder Woman 1984? That was Patty's last big movie that made it to theaters. It wasn't that good. And I think she had a hand in writing it. So if we are now going to go to Rogue Squadron's issues were creative differences, is that a bad thing? I don't know. It's hard. I, I get it. I'm, I'm with a lot of you these days. I, mean, we, I don't know what the hell's going on at Lucasfilm when it comes to the movie side of the house. Clearly, the, the streaming Disney Plus side is kicking ass. Um, so for those of you that are going to roll your eyes over this next reveal that Kathleen Kennedy has been re-upped, uh, she signed another three-year deal with Lucasfilm, guess what? She's still making them a ton of money. That's all that really matters. I, I know a lot of us, we get our feelings hurt because we, we don't feel like she is executing the vision we have in our heads for Star Wars movies. And, you know, some of that is fair. She did helm the sequel trilogy. And while she didn't write it, uh, she oversaw the story group. She brought in the directors and writers to create them and, you know, fired a few and brought a new one. So, that, you know, that is on her. And it, it, I, I, I blame her and, and other top members of Lucasfilm for coming up with the stupid-ass idea that, yeah, let's make a trilogy, but let's not have a single voice throughout. Let's use three different writers and three different directors. Clearly, not a good idea. Uh, but she's also in charge of Mandalorian and Bad Batch and all that shit, okay? So she's still making the mouse a lot of cash, which means they're going to, yes, give her new contracts, whether certain Star Wars fans like it or not. But there, you, you do have to kind of admit that ever since, you know, TLJ Solo and Tross, Lucasfilm, in terms of cine cinematic Star Wars projects, has not had a good track record. It's been nothing but directors leaving, quitting, infighting, creative differences left and right. I mean, at, at this point in time, uh, the GOT duo was supposed to be working on a Star Wars movie. They left due to this, that, or the other thing. Patty Jenkins, who, who the hell knows if she'll even come back to Rogue Squadron at this point. You had uh, Miller and Lord on Solo. They got scrapped. You had Homeboy on uh, The Rise of Skywalker, at least Episode 9. Trevorrow, he got whacked for whatever reasons. So while I, I do agree that, that, you know, Kathy being the face, being a boss, is to blame for some of this chaos... Uh, you know, if, if we're going to lump all the bad into her, her sack, we also have to credit her with some of the great stuff that has come out under her watch, which is pretty much everything on Disney+. Plus. So love it or hate it, 
KK is on board for another three years, uh, but I am a little concerned about Lucasfilm and movies in general because it just does not seem that they can get their shit together and figure out how to craft the film, announce the film, hype the film, and then actually stick to the film's schedule to get it made. As we were saying last week, we should be preparing for a Star Wars movie next month. That was the original plan. When Disney was bought, they were going to have movies alternating all the way through 2021. I believe this was going to be the, the actual Kenobi movie, which we now know luckily was turned into the Kenobi series. <coughs> but the initial plan was for a, a Star Wars movie to release in 2021. That then got blown up into, well, now we're going to push everything back. We're going to hit the pause button, really think and take our time. So they gave us 2023, 2025, and 2027. All right, Rogue Squadron was supposed to be 2023. That's been delayed. Okay, well, now what's going to happen? Are they going to get a movie done? Are they going to get a movie done for 2023? Or now we're going to have to wait to the 2025 date? It's going to be crazy to think that we could very well be, you know, six, seven years removed from the, the release of The Rise of Skywalker before we see another Star Wars movie. And I can tell you back in, what was that, 2012, when we learned of the sale, or 2014, I can't remember. Yeah, 12. Never in my wildest dreams did I think it would be a struggle to get Star Wars movies made and released on either a bi-yearly or yearly basis. And yes, I am one of these people that would be 100% okay with Star Wars being handled like the MCU and getting two to three, sometimes four movies a year. That would not bother me. I believe there is plenty of content in the Star Wars galaxy that could be created. It doesn't have to be Skywalker stuff. It, it, it could be something brand new. But for some reason, and we know the reason, it's a little bit of backlash to TLJ and then the box office failure of Solo, they just got scared. And, and now they, uh, they're either being too cautious and they are pushing back too much on creatives, or, you know, maybe all these delays are good. We, we've come to learn in, in video game land that, you know, sometimes it's better for a video game to be delayed than released early and be full of bugs and shitty. So... There is a case to be made for Lucasfilm and, and at least Star Wars movies and, and kind of hitting pause buttons on projects like Rogue Squadron, even though you blew your load with it last December. I mean, it, it was the darling of that presentation last December. Then maybe you're like, you know what? Screw it. If it's not perfect, we know what happened the last time we, we, we uh, upset the, the hardcore Star Wars fan base. So let's just kind of sit back, massage it a bit, and make sure that everyone is on board creatively to get a, a kick-ass Star Wars movie made. But at this point in time, no Chloe Zhao in Star Wars. Kathleen Kennedy's back for three years. And really, unless we get an announcement in the next six months or so, I just don't see 2023 at this point getting a Star Wars movie in theaters. And that's a bummer. All right, I'm coming up on time here, so I got to get moving. Uh, this is just a, a quick reminder that today is a bring home the bounty day. Uh, for collectors, there wasn't a lot of great stuff. Uh, TVC, 
they revealed a card back Kawil and a card back Bo Katan. Uh, I did want to mention, though, if you're a gamer and like to play on mobile devices and you subscribe to Apple Arcade, this Lego Star Wars Castaways should be releasing, I think, on Friday the 19th. Or, yeah, whatever hell day that is. Uh, I don't know. It kind of looks like a Sims, but Lego Star Wars based. I don't know if adults are going to love it, but you know, maybe it's something you want to get kids into. Or like I said, if you have an Apple Arcade subscription, be on the lookout for this Lego Star Wars Castaways. Should be releasing sometime this week. Just check it out on the Apple Arcade store. All right, so that brings us to the fan segment. I know uh, you're not getting your money's worth this week. It's probably going to be a, an hour and a half long show, but that's okay. Got to go get that booster and see if it's going to take me out again for 36 hours. But hey, it's better than getting the vid. Um, so yeah, the, the fan segment, you know, we do this every show. You can always bank on the Star Wars Time Show running the fan segment because we love our fans more than they love us. And to get involved in the fan segment, you have a, a two-pronged attack to get into the Star Wars Time Show on a weekly basis. The first is going to be what I'm going through right now, and that is our question of the week. I, uh, I put this out on Tuesdays in the morning on our Instagram at Star Wars Time Show. And you can reply via stories or leave comments on the post. And if we get good comments, uh, typically we, we pick around five. We'll read those five comments on the show. Okay, so this is method number one of getting involved with the SWTS. So question of the week this week was, based on current events and creative differences, will we see a Star Wars movie before 2025? All right, I, I kind of just laid down the groundwork and, and why this question is the question of the week. So let's see what the fans had to say. Up first, Ripic Tan is back. Shit! That's a good question. They definitely should stop announcing projects in the way they have been just for hype. I hope so, but we might also just end up with the sequel special editions first at this point. I don't even know if that's a thing. Um, I, I guess I would take the special edition, especially if they completely redid The Rise of Skywalker. All right. I'm not going to go over why, but uh, to me, Tross is really the, the biggest issue. I mean, I know people and, and I have problems with TLJ too, but they could have carried on some of those storylines to make the trilogy seem more coherent in Tross, but they didn't. You know, somehow Palpatine has returned. That's all you need to know. So I don't know if we'll ever get special editions on those things. Probably not. Holy shit. George But Not Washington had a lot to say, so hey, hey, give, me, give me a second here. Make sure I can do a proper read here. I think we won't, but mainly because of all the series we will see on Disney+. Plus. The last two have been wildly successful, and I can't imagine the others being any less successful. If anything, I'd like to see them explore the option to opt for a totally new Star Wars IP, be in series format rather than movie format. As we saw with The Mandalorian, Disney taking time to get through these stories can create some very enjoyable things. Rushing back to the movie format, especially so soon and in pandemic aftermath, might just keep leaving fans dissatisfied at this point. 
People have pretty much complained in every recent movie, including during George Lucas's time, some with right reasons, others because they are just nostalgia-obsessed. The advantage of a series format is that you give us time to be immersed into these stories, which nowadays is huge, especially when there is so much nostalgia. With movies, you always have huge pressure and expectation, especially and with a franchise like this one that has so many political and business interests nowadays that it's extremely hard to pull off. I don't know. I just want a series. <laughs> like, you can imagine a Game of Thrones like Star Wars series. Man, I want it. Sorry. That was a long sentence there at the end. Remember, we read these as written, and there was no punctuation, so I was running out of oxygen. But yeah, lots of good points here from George, but not Washington. Up next, Zane Reese Visions says, Maybe by 2024, if things continue to go well with upcoming shows like The Book of Boba Fett and Obi-Wan, then maybe people will want to see them in a live-action film. If the shows also continue to expand on new characters that pique people's interest, then perhaps they'll want to give them a movie. Look what happened with Boba Fett when he first appeared in Empire. Very true. Remember, the, the Under the Helmet told us he had four lines and he on screen for under six minutes. Bozo Fett. All right. Star Wars Fan 2187. 2025, a spinoff, yes. You have to think this isn't bad for Star Wars. In the span of 40-ish years before Disney, we had six movies. Since Disney, we have had five. Bearing in mind, we have plenty of shows coming, which generally get better ratings than the movies. I don't think it's that drastic that we aren't getting one. Maybe if there wasn't so much hate for the sequels, COVID never happened, and Disney weren't pumping out as many shows, maybe we would have one. I think it's very unlikely, though. Lots of good points there. I, I keep forgetting about all the COVID shit and what that's done to filmmaking. So that, that's probably uh, bearing itself a little bit on the Lucasfilm plans for Star Wars films. So good one there, Star Wars fan 2187. And then last, our buddy Tones had a lot to say. Truthfully, it's starting to get highly embarrassing for Disney LFL now. They're chasing all the respectable movie-making talent away, and who in the right mind would want to take on a Star Wars movie knowing the owner's past history of sacking people off who have any creative differences whatsoever? Most of the previously announced and upcoming content has had some sort of drama attached to it. It's becoming a complete farce now. It never happens with Marvel, or it certainly doesn't get reported as frequently, and the higher respect that franchise gets over Star Wars is so blatantly obvious. Things need to be sorted in our galaxy far, far away. All I see is it getting dragged further and further down into the Bantha Poodoo. Kennedy needs to go, in my opinion. She's completely out of touch, out off touch, and way over her depth. Favreau and Filoni have proved that now countless times over. I just want to comment on that, okay? Listen, we all know Favreau and Filoni are creative geniuses, especially Filoni. He is George Lucas Jr. But they're not doing the work of a producer that Kathy does. We don't want these guys, the creatives, to be bogged down with all the bullshit and red tape that producers handle. So I think we got to remember that, that, that Kathy is not really setting the, the, uh, the creative vision. She's more of the, the business side, okay? Just to play a little devil's advocate there. All right, so those are our uh, fan responses to the question of the week. Like I said, that's one way to get involved in the weekly Star Wars Time Show live stream if you want to. 
the second method and our most popular aspect of the SWTS is our top five featured artists of the week. So to get involved in this show segment, you got to be over on Instagram. And anytime you share Star Wars art, be it toy photography, traditional art, real ass paint, tattoos, cosplay, it doesn't matter. Scat art, as Nick always likes to bring up. Make sure to tag at Star Wars Time Show and use hashtag Star Wars Time Show. That way we know we're going to see your work. Every day in the morning before I start my day, I go through both the tags and the hashtags. And on Star Wars Time Show's IG, I will feature shots that stand out. At the end of a week, Nick will then sit there and go through all those shots I featured on our Instagram, and he will pick the top five. And that's what brings us to the segment. Although this week, because Nick is, you know, drunk somewhere, I handled it all. I did the daily features, and I picked the top five. And that is where our show now takes us. To this week's version of the top five Star Wars featured artists of the week. And the week is 11.8 to 11.15. All right, so here we go. Up first, and this is a brand new one. I believe this is a a uh, first and first, meaning it was the this account's first feature just on our page, and they're also getting their first top five within the same week. And I am talking about at Star Wars Outlaw. And if you're checking out this shot on the live stream, it's brutal in a great way, not not in a bad way. And, and what you see here, it's just fantastic. It, it's almost like the rebels broke bad, and, and you know they're almost they're almost like Nazis. And they have all of these stormtroopers on their knees with their arms behind their back, kneeling in front of a a burial ditch. You know, something you probably have seen from old war footage, you know, when they just line up the enemy and pa, 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 you know, give them a tap in the head. They roll into the ditch and then they cover up. It's it's a mass grave. And, And that's what we're getting in Star Wars. But it's not the Imperials doing this, carrying out this act. It is the... Rebels. And I, it's just, I don't know, this shot just stands out to me. A, it's, it's a well-crafted scene. But B, it's just kind of the shock of seeing Leia executing, like summarily executing, like I said, uh, gangster style. Tap in the back of the helmet, see you later, pal. But then you gotta love Luke sitting there. It's like he's rolling through just checking on progress. He's drinking a coffee watching his sister execute stormtroopers into a burial ditch. I don't know. Maybe I'm demented. I just found it to be a very um, jarring shot, but in a good way. You know, it, it's like, it, it, it's, it's, I, I've never really seen the rebels portrayed in this light, and I dig it. So make sure to check out at Star Wars Outlaw on Instagram. Up next... One of our buddies, a guest host and, you know, someone that has made the top five multiple times. And that is our dude at SirDork730. And if you're on the live stream checking this out, this is about as SirDork as a shot gets. If you're just listening, I'll try to describe it for you. We've got Mando in the center of the frame. <coughs> Sorry about that, Jared. Lighting off his whistling birds. 
which are then striking three uh, stormtroopers who have been, you know, they've been hit so hard by these whistling birds. They, they've, they're flying up in the air. You know, they got the, the snot knocked out of them. And because it is a Sir Dork shot, there's all sorts of explosions, fires. It looks like he's doing some light painting in there to represent the whistling birds. It's just a, it's a power shot. You know, it's, it's like Din saying, yeah, I'm a pimp. Eat my whistling birds, you little bitches. Uh, it's just, as I said, it's very Sir Dork 730. A lot of practical effects going on here. A lot of kind of, you know, very in-your-face feel. Mando even has some, you know, water dripping down his helmet to add a, another layer to the shot. Uh, but it's just, it, it's very powerful and very at Sir Dork. So, you know, if you dig what you're seeing here, you probably already follow him. But if not, make sure to give at Sir Dork 730 a look and follow over on Instagram. Okay. <laughs> this next one here, sorry for the early laugh. This comes from at South P24. This is Paul over on Instagram. And this is one of those Star Wars humor shots that I just absolutely loved. Uh, the, the thought behind this is ridiculous. The creativity is insane. So what we're looking at, if you're not on the live stream, imagine... We got a deleted scene from The Mandalorian Season 2 after the episode where Boba and Din team up to go and get Grogu back from Gideon. Uh, if you remember, by Episode 7, Boba had repainted his armor. I know for some fans, they're like, whoa, 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 how the hell did that happen? How could that happen? It's like, who gives a shit? He painted his armor. It's sci-fi. Who cares? But Southpaw has now given us that scene. The scene where Boba decides to paint his armor en route to helping Din save Grogu. And that's what we're looking at here on the screen. So you've got a Boba Fett figure wearing just his undies and a belt and his hood. So, you know, he's got this massive barrel chest hanging out there. He's holding his helmet and he's holding a can of spray paint the helmet's visor is taped up implying that yeah boba it has indeed stripped himself down and is painting his armor in the presence of din and as you can see din is sitting there pointing to his watch going hey dude you know i'm, I'm glad you got your your ancestral armor back but uh remember you pledged to help me to go get grogu uh, do we really need to be having an, an armor repaint session right now? Uh, it, this is one you just, you have to see. My words do not do it justice. There's so many layers to the shot. I mean, Boba himself holding that helmet with the masking tape over it so he doesn't paint the visor. In the background, South P has other bits of the armor hanging as they're drying. You can see his uh, nomad tunic is back there. The, uh, you know, the, the jetpack, <laughs> other cans of paint. Yellow and red, obviously, to, to match Boba's uh, color set. You got the knee pads over there and the shoulder pauldrons. It's just, it's a fantastic scene. Uh, like I said, the creativity is what sells it, but, you know, all the little nuances Paul put in there at South P24 just make this a, a gem of a composition. I, I just absolutely love it. You know, I, lo I love serious Star Wars art. I love fun Star Wars art. And I love this type of stuff, like deep cut, deleted scene, uh, humor-based Star Wars art. I mean, even, even Mando and the way he's posed pointing at his watch is just brilliant. Top-notch work from at South P24 on Instagram. 
Uh, up next, we have another just another just genius creative shot here, and this one comes from at only figure figure fans. <laughs> and what you see in this shot, you've got the Trapper Wolf figure, which is Dave Filoni. Okay, he's holding Grogu. And then you have the heavy Mandalorian figure who John Favreau voiced in the Mandalorian season one, you know, the big blue guy with the, with the turret gun. And he's got a Favreau head on there. <laughs> so you've got the creators of the Mandalorian decked out in their character's armor, running through the streets of Navarro, holding Grogu. And uh, I, I forget the actual caption that um, at only figure fans use, but it's basically like, don't worry, kid, we got you. You know, implying that uh, Floney and Favreau are the saviors of of Star Wars, and you know they they created Grogu, and really got fans kind of amped up about some new Star Wars content. It's just you know uh, for only figure fans to have the idea and then execute it, it's just it's awesome. Uh, I, I love seeing <laughs> Floney and Favreau in character. Uh, in a Star Wars toy photography shot. So just just brilliant idea, great execution from at only figure fans. Uh, hey, there's there's Jared joined up. You just missed me talking about your shot, good sir. But you can always catch it on the replay or the audio only version, which releases every week on Wednesday. And last but not least, another regular in our top five, and that's our buddy at Super Scoundrel, who's been MIA. He's one of our wrenches. He's been MIA a few weeks. Maybe we'll have to delete this top five. No, I'm just kidding. We, we love at Super Scoundrel and his buddy at SW Props. Uh, who knows where they're at today? Maybe they didn't get the notice that I was going early. But anyways, lo- look at this latest work of art from at Super underscore Scoundrel on Instagram. It's a Rule With Respect uh, Book of Boba Fett poster, and it is choice. It looks crispy AF. It's beautiful. Tattoo it on my face. Make it my front door of my house. Do what you got to do, but I need more of this Super Scoundrel art in my life. It's just, I, I mean, I, I respect what Devin does. I love his 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 take on vector art uh i love that it's gotten him all these opportunities to work with celebrities but i I always appreciate when he comes back and does a little bit of uh just you know star wars fan art for himself and for us and that's why we honor him on our top five i mean this thing is just beautiful I, i i could see this in like a you know a foil card set from tops I've been saying it for years at this point. Yeah, like Jared saying in the chat, this should be a massive poster. Or in the soon-to-be-released at Super Scoundrel foil-backed art book for our coffee tables. All right? So that's our buddy at Super underscore Scoundrel on Instagram. Give him a follow. You will not be disappointed. All right, friends, and that wraps this solo version of the SWTS. It clocks in at episode 188, so we just keep doing our thing, even if a lot of people don't want to play. But it doesn't matter. We've got 
the important people in the live stream chat and all those that download the podcast when it releases on the audio versions on Wednesday. So we speak your name. We love you. May the force be with every one of you. But if you are new here or if you're looking to kind of stump for us or be a Star Wars Time Show disciple, don't forget to tell them anyone interested, just head on out to StarWarsTime.net. It's the best place to kind of get looped in with the Star Wars Time Show. You can see the content we're going to talk about or posting. You can see some of our custom content we create for the YouTube channel. But more importantly, if you do want to get linked into the podcast via standard podcast platforms, we have all those links for you. You know, we're on all the big ones, Apple, Google, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, you name it. We're there. We just need other people to subscribe rate and review while you're on starwarstime.net if you just want to loop in with the live stream which i said goes down every tuesday afternoon you can also find that link down in the right sidebar you'll see our two little fat heads staring at each other just click on that subscribe button and you will be looped in to the star wars time show greggy boy is here he hasn't been here in a bit he's asking for the dance so let's uh, here we go greg doing a little shimmy and a little shaking our asses over to StarWarsTime.net, but I got to put her to bed, okay? And I'm not talking about my kid or my wife. I'm talking about episode 188. It's time to go get a booster shot and see what type of spirit walk the Moderna vaccine will be taking me on this time. Uh, but it's going to feel good to kind of get re-upped, as they say, right? It's like taking a power pack in a video game. I'm ready to do it. But it's been real talking to you solo. Next week, Nick should be back for a pre-Thanksgiving Star Wars time show. Who knows? Maybe we'll get a little crazy. Hopefully, we'll have some great content to talk about. But until then, I just want to remind you that there's, first off, there's always time for Star Wars time, okay? The pros know this. The pros never forget that. There truly is always time for Star Wars time, just not on Disney Plus Day. Am I right? And the other thing I need to remind everyone is that if you do listen to the Star Wars Time Show, the Force will be with you always. Always.